on this episode of Thinking Well. Well, if we take Jesus at his word that he really meant it when he said that we are to love one another, and like that is like the thing, right? We're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love our neighbor. But if we really believed that, then we could we could listen to just about you know anybody's opinion about anything and just go, well, wow, that's great. I still love you. What if your strongly held personal conviction isn't the same conviction a friend or church member holds? Is it possible to get along with them and even honor them in those beliefs? In this episode of Thinking Well, we discuss the reality of living in a deeply polarized world and how to navigate the tension it creates in our relationships. We don't have all of the answers, but we hope that this will spark a conversation in your homes and friendships and help you find common ground. You're listening to Thinking Well, a home for conversations about faith, life, and culture. We live in a confusing, complicated world with no shortage of hot takes and opinions competing for our attention. If you're like us, you're just trying to make sense of it all and follow Jesus the best way you know how. We don't have all the answers. Our unique stories give us unique perspectives, which means we won't always agree with each other. But perhaps in this cultural moment, God isn't looking for agreement. Maybe he wants unity over uniformity. Maybe he wants us to respond instead of react. Maybe he's looking for people who are learning, listening, and thinking well. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Thinking Well. I'm Dan, joined by my friends Jay Bryan. Hey, Dan. Rachel. Hello. And Jordan. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Not too bad. Really good. I'm feeling happy. Happy, happy, happy. Good, good, yeah. good. What are you happy about? Well, you know, funny you should bring that up. <laughs> uh, I am happy about uh, this week I got to hear Josiah do a new uh, song. Um, actually, I've heard it's a, an original song, but when he was performing it this week, it was the best I had ever heard, like, you know, 10 times better than I'd heard it before and mm. kind of blew my mind, made me happy. That's Good awesome. Stuff. Nice. Um, I am happy about um, helping a small coffee shop launch, um, have their opening day. And I just played a small part in it, but it was fun and it's um, taking off. So that, that was the highlight. Good stuff. I am happy. Well, not today cause it's raining outside, but, um, there was a day, a couple, couple days ago, I think where it was like 60 degrees out. And, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, I despise the cold weather and I, <laughs> I feel like I become a different person the moment it warms up a little bit. Um, I'm like, Wow, I can I can live life. I'm gonna be okay <laughs> as soon as it gets warm it's out. Gonna be okay. Yeah, because uh, let's face it, our winters are really long here. You you could have snow on the ground for six months. So minimum. That's a little bit yeah minimum depressing. Yeah, so be depressing. That one day where it was warm out, I was happy and I smiled. I like how that's out. <laughs> that, that, that one day. You remember that one day, guys? Yeah. It's still April uh, at right, the time so, of recording. Yeah. So. yeah. What about you, Jordan? Well, I don't want to blow your mind too much guys but um and girls and gals sorry um so where i work is very close to uh bethlehem baptist uh location church whatever and okay i'm about 95 percent certain that i was in my truck at a stoplight and who pulled up next to me was John Piper. <laughs> and so I wanted to ask him, I was like, so desiring God, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a good thing? No, just kidding. But I'm, like I said, so I'm 90% certain it was John Piper. Wow. 85% maybe. So you got to ask him some deep theological questions. I mean, I like that. looked over and I was like, that guy looks like JP. And so um, I looked again. I was like, oh, it's got to be. I'm 75% certain it was John Piper. Wow. I walked by Prince once and I wanted to ask him about 1999, but the moment was lost. It was, I'm, I'm telling the truth. You just way. had to one up me, didn't you? I, just, <laughs> I don't think Prince one ups John Piper. I mean, I'm only like 60% certain it was John okay, Piper. It keeps going down. <laughs> <laughs> There's a chance. 
that it's either Bernie Sanders or John Piper. <laughs> We've never seen them in the same room together. This, there's probably right? a picture on the internet somewhere where they've swapped out right. Bernie Sanders Except for one for each other. <laughs> right. uh, that's great. With Purple Rain playing in the background. Exactly. No? Sorry, totally. I did it's, it again. It's only right. So sorry. It's yeah. Okay. Okay. So on today's episode, we are talking about convictions, conflict, and the church. And yet, I keep wanting to say conflictions, <laughs> con- convicts. convicts. <laughs> And the church. Is there a relationship there? <laughs> I don't know. So help me today if I get those mixed up. Um, but obviously, okay, we're living in really polarized times where everybody has an opinion about everything and anything. And um, so our convictions can create conflict, and they usually do. Um, and it seems to happen the closer the relationships are with each other. So we've all had to navigate um, deeply held convictions and relationships and conflict that arises in those relationships. So we're going to be talking about that today, and Rachel's going to lead the discussion. Take it away, Rachel. Yes, I am. All right. So first of all, um, there is a difference between core doctrine. So this is within the church, right? So um, obviously, if you are not in the church, you might have some different convictions or core beliefs. Um, And so all Christians have the same or should have all the same core doctrine, um, which is deity of Christ, salvation, the resurrection, um, sexual ethic, um, and a couple of others that I cannot think of right now. Yeah. But So to be clear, we're not talking about, do you have a conviction of whether Jesus did or didn't rise from the dead? As, right. as Christians, like yeah. we're we're kind of moving beyond that on yeah. this episode. I'll right. see myself yeah. out. I, I, I don't have anything. <laughs> so just to clarify, he did, right? Okay, yes. all right, we're on the same page. So that that's the core doctrine, and that's the things that like that's what makes us a Christian. Like this is what we believe. Convictions are born out of personal relationship with God through reading the Bible, through personal relationships, that sort of thing. And they're not things um, like we call core doctrine, like first tier issues. Convictions are not first tier issues. They're second tier or third tier. And they're not something that should separate the body of Christ to the point of, mm-hmm. you know, what we've seen in this country. Yep. Um. So what forms a personal conviction for you? When I think about that, I think about my upbringing. And so being brought up in a Christian home in a little more conservative evangelical church, you know, Ten Commandments, Sunday school stories, the felt board, all that good stuff. Um, that those are, I think, what has formed, you know, my main convictions today. And it, obviously that's all doctrine too, but just just um, how I look at life through what I was brought up in and in my family situation, which was a really good family situation. So um, yeah. I think I'm probably the best person here then. <laughs> I think that's probably true, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously our upbringing plays a huge part in that. Um, I was thinking that, Perhaps personal convictions maybe aren't formed until um, those things that we've had established from our upbringing are actually challenged and we actually have to put them to the test. So all of us have a lot of maybe what I would call inherited beliefs and that doesn't mean they're, they're wrong. It just means we're handed down a set of beliefs and convictions and, you know, probably by a lot of well-meaning people, you know, our parents and pastors and teachers. And so then at some point in our lives, some of those beliefs and convictions will be challenged. And I think, I think that's when they become personal convictions for us is when the rubber meets the road, we have to decide, do I really believe this? Yeah. How about you, Jay Brian? Um, well, I think the, you know, the Bible is certainly at the core yeah. of what all of our beliefs should be. And yes, my family had some things to do with that. I was raised Catholic. I had a whole lot of beliefs that um, I have since re-examined, and a lot of them I've kept. And I've this is dear to me and is important to me. But others I've actually kind of like looking at a rock and deciding if you want it to still 
be in your rock garden or if it needs some paint or if it needs to be chucked into the field next door, uh, not the neighbor's yard because that's wrong. <laughs> and, um, and so as an adult, I've been able to you know, kind of reassess some of those things. But I can tell you this, I l- love that foundation, uh, even though sometimes yeah. it conflicts with some of the things I've learned in later years. It's important to have that foundation as a starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I think back to my childhood and everything, like, well, <laughs> Jordan can tell you, like, these past two years, we've just kind of been like, just, you know, again, second tier and third tier stuff. We're like, is that is that right, what we learned? And we've just been, you could say, deconstructing. <laughs> no, we're not. Coming up in episode, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. episode 10. Right. Yeah. Um, but just, and, and especially, like, it's crazy how much culture plays an impact on your convictions growing up or your thoughts and beliefs growing up and then you challenge them in your later years and you're like is that really true or is it just what culture says is true um I think that has just as much of an impact as your personal upbringing right and I don't think we've really changed a lot of what we are convicted of or what but just we're kind of asking ourselves why yeah, and what's the, you know, the reason behind it. And for me, it's like, um, I've been more okay with really needing to have the answer. Why just being okay, just living in faith and being like, it's not black or white. It's somewhere in the middle. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And it probably doesn't affect, you know, me right now at this second or my family it's like it's going to be okay or whatever eternity. Yeah. right exactly yeah. it's like I, i'm more okay with like yeah it is what it is yeah. my favorite question is why just like oh, emory's yeah. favorite question yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for everything like i mean but asking that does shore up your personal convictions you know like if you're more likely to know the reason behind what you think you're more likely to stick to that conviction yeah instead of just oh this is what somebody else believes so i'll just right. go along with it Okay, so for the vegetarians that might be listening, this isn't an anti-vegetarian moment, but I had a lifestyle for 10 years of vegetarianism that was based uh, to a great degree on my perception of what the Bible was saying. In fact, that Adam and Eve are vegetarians before they sinned. That's the truth. Um, But um, there's all kinds of other things, just God's love and protection for uh, the innocent and the unborn and stuff like that. There's all kinds of reasons why I went, wow, well, if, if that's true, then this is true. And if this is true, then I, and I, I turned my uh, belief that I shouldn't eat meat into a kind of its own religion. I mean, it morphed into a, mm-hmm. I went down a, a weird road where it was becoming to the point that I wasn't really caring for my family the way I should have. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had convictions or, or I should say I had a foundation that was biblically based, but it turned into convictions that took a wrong turn. Huh. Mm. So, which we could talk about later, I suppose. Mm. That's interesting. So how do we discern if our personal conviction is from God or from outside influence? Because I think it is important to distinguish that, especially when our personal convictions collide with somebody else, somebody else's personal convictions. For me, a good indicator is time. So how quickly I came to that conviction. And so if I read a book about some topic and it changes my mind when I finish the book, (laughs) that's probably an indicator to me that God wasn't working on something in my heart. I just read a convincing argument. And since I had the book, there's a good chance I was probably already predisposed to that way of thinking and I just wanted to convince myself more and so uh, I know that's easy for me to go down and to to fall prey to I guess and so I know the convictions in my life that I know are from God are ones that I've had to wrestle with for a long time and sit with for years. As it related to the vegetarian thing um, I discovered that there was no freedom in it um, that it was um, it was becoming more of a bondage for me and even my family, and it was a way that God, that Holy Spirit, was communicating to me, saying, "You know, this might not the way you're doing this might not be from me," and it made it easy. And praise God, it was my mother-in-law Marcy that that fixed that or, or turned the light switch on, just by um, by giving us 
uh, food to eat at a time when um, resources were limited, and it just happened to have meat in it. And if you remember Marcy, you know, the smile on her face is like, yeah, I'm, I, don't, I can't accept this, Marcy. Those words never came out of my mouth. <laughs> it says, thank you for loving, yep. <laughs> loving our family and changing my entire belief system. Yeah, so what are, are there? Are there potential consequences for not following our convictions? If they're not something that, like, we can go to, you know, hell for, <laughs> you know, are, are there potential consequences if if God impresses a conviction upon our heart and we're suddenly like, mm, that sounds too hard, I'm not going to do that. What What are some consequences, do you guys think? So you're saying, like, if something's not in the Bible, like it's not a clear biblical. Right. Right. But God's still like giving you the conviction about it. Right. Exactly. Well, (laughs) it's, um, it's not biblical, but it's Shakespeare and it leads to something biblical, but there's a, um, I can't remember where it's from. Maybe, maybe it's Hamlet, but it's to thine own self be true. Sure. And, um, and so there's something about identity that if you are not, if you don't, there's certain things that make us all up that make us decide uh, what side of the bed we're going to get up uh, in the morning and whether or not we're going to take out the garbage and so on. Um, but um, it's really hard not to laugh right now because one of us just adjusted their chair. And, that would be me. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's should, we, a foot shorter. should we get him a booster? <laughs> I was not expecting that. But if we, uh, if we aren't true to ourselves and our, and our own convictions, then we could either A, lose some of our identity, or at least um, it brings up reason to uh, reevaluate our identity, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be reflecting Jesus. But mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, if God impresses a conviction upon us um, and we don't follow that conviction, that is disobedience to God. Even though it's mm-hmm. not in the Bible, that's still disobedience to what we know to be true. Yeah, And that does separate us. That does... Um, cause something in our relationship with God to where, okay, we're not as close to him anymore, you know, not from him, but from us, we, we kind of pull away. So I think that's, that's a consequence too, is it, it causes something in our relationship with God, um, maybe a distrust or something. Yeah. And I think besides the obvious thing of like God giving you a conviction and you not holding to that and all the problems that creates sin, um, I think you can also do damage to yourself because you're living really conflicted. Like mm-hmm. you have this conviction, but you're not fully walking it out. And a lot of times that has to do with fear. Like uh, for me anyway, it's cause I don't like conflict. And so I, I don't always want to be public about my convictions or, yeah. um, oh, or we even, have to talk. yeah like even if it like comes up in conversations like i'll say i just don't want to get into this because this is awkward and like what are people going to think are they going to think because i believe this that i also believe x y and z because people make assumptions about stuff and like for me it's just easier just not to say anything um and that's fine like we don't always have to preachy about our convictions you don't have to die on every hill yeah Yeah. it's (laughs) not like i don't feel like the need to convert people to my way of thinking or my personal convictions but yeah i still do recognize that i have a tendency to shrink back because it's easier it creates less Mm -hmm. conflict right yeah yeah totally and then there's like the other side of that like other personalities that (laughs) (laughs) Well, they I, elevate convictions <laughs> to and I core want, doctrine. And I want I, and I never want to be that guy. I, I fully get that I'm capable. But really, the world right. I, li- I prefer to live in is in the middle. I'm not an in the middle guy. I have I have strong conservative views and so on. But but as far as conversing with people, I'm interested in the other views. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not intended to be um, conflict. And, yeah. and, and so but I, yep. like, I want to hear what you have to say and I might have something to say about it. And so I know that sometimes that makes people feel uncomfortable or awkward, mm. as you said. But I I think I think we should definitely 
I guess that's why we're here is for, right. to yeah. try to find a way to raise issues and talk about things without hurting each other. Yeah. Right. And that's a really good point, because I think in the Western world, we look at conflict as anything that opposes our view. And when you look back at church history, I mean, how did we come to the core doctrines? They struggled for years and years and years and argued with each other. Healthy conflict. Yeah. But to get to those core doctrines that the church could unite over. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be conflict if it's just having a good, strong argument back and forth. Um, I think the conflict arises when bitterness starts to creep in. Right. And, um, you know, you see that person and you go, oh, them. <laughs> the automatic eye <laughs> Or you roll. see their posts on social media and you're like, oh. <laughs> Every time Jordan sees me, it's, uh, it's yeah. Brian. Well, and two, don't you think that that's something that nowadays with social media, it was probably something, you know, I said the SM word, sorry. That, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people have just kind of been like, you know, just keeping it in their own house and been like, you know, talking to their wife or husband like, oh, man, this guy is just a just a real piece of work. And now it's like, oh, I can passive aggressively go online yeah. and just and yeah. just throw out there everything I think I I know is right. Quotation marks in my world, you know, being the oldest guy in the room, I can tell you back in the day, social media was called letters to the editor. Right. Yes. And it involved <laughs> um, a letter and an envelope and a looking at the address letter. Right. And a stamp. <laughs> and you had to do all of that. And by the time you were walking to the mailbox, you went, oh, no. Right. Yeah. yeah. This, well, isn't that the old it's thing? It's it. like you, you get mad at somebody, you write them a letter and you with the intention of mailing it to them. And then you realize, this is just petty. I'm not going to send this. You right. Know? <laughs> right. 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 So. But it's too easy now to go. Zip. Oh, yeah. And then it's too easy to also be like, nope, never mind. I changed my mind, too. It's yeah. like it's I get it. But it's kind of a two way street. It's like, OK, if you're going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Are you going to like mm-hmm. stand behind that or or are you going to be swayed easily to that conviction? Yeah. You know, if you so, get a lot of backlash. Just right. as a little side note, I read an article this week that said Gmail was bringing out this feature where you could recall an email within oh, oh, that's brilliant. 30 no. seconds or something. <laughs> but like that, that speaks to that whole thing of like firing off an email. I can think of football coaches that can really <laughs> use that right now. Right, yeah. Well, I wish I had that feature ago. for my mouth. Like, right. I wish I didn't say that. <laughs> Rewind. That helps in marriage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right, convictions, strong convictions. How can we hold them without letting them divide us or being offended by others? Should we just like not, well, not having social media, that's a whole nother conversation that we're going to have, but um, how, how can we hold strong convictions without, without being offended? And this is, again, I'm seeing this more as like within the church because um, holding strong convictions and not letting them divide us with somebody who doesn't hold the same core beliefs as us mm-hmm. is something completely different. Mm-hmm. So within the church, how can we hold strong convictions without letting them divide us? Well, if we take Jesus at his word that he really meant it when he said that we are to love one another, and like that is like the thing, right? We're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. But if we really believed that, then we could we could listen to just about you know, anybody's opinion about anything and just go, well, wow, that's great. I still love you. Mm. And I mean, that's such a great starting point. And if you can do that, or if you can get to a place where a person just wrote something incendiary on, on the web or maybe said something to you in passing, even even on a Sunday morning or something that you went, I wonder what they meant by that. If, if that can happen, and I'm just losing my train of thought as I'm speaking right now, I'm going to have to let it go. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Let it go. Well, I've thought about this, and for me, it's been helpful not to find my identity in my convictions. And I know that's hard because we're talking about deeply held convictions, and so that obviously, naturally, there's going to be a lot of emotion tied up in that. 
But um, if my identity is in my conviction, then when someone else comes along with a different conviction and they want to kind of push back on that, I'm actually going to internalize that and feel like they're pushing back on me. And that can just create offense. And it works both ways too. I could do that to other people and start reading things into people's personalities that aren't really there just because of their convictions. And it's just not a healthy cycle. So as much as possible, I try to separate identity from conviction. Um, and that that's helped me. It's good. But it does become a part of your identity. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, if God has placed it on your heart, then it is a part of your identity as you're obedient to him. So that's like, man, that's really tough. Yeah, to I guess it goes back to like the like layers or, or cores of your personality. Like I can't let it get deep, deep, deep down inside of me to where like any attack on my, my view is like an Very attack on me. Offensive and Because yeah. we'd all agree that's kind of a problem with our world today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, but I do respect what you're saying. Like it is, they are intertwined on some level and there's no separating that out. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I get annoyed with somebody or whatever, I immediately think, oh, they're annoyed with me too. And then it just creates this like bigger rift, you know? Um, like, oh, they're, they're definitely holding that against me because I'm holding it against them. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's probably something I would struggle with because then kind of every time I think about that person, I always think about maybe that scenario or that argument or discussion, whatever. It's just like, so yeah, no, that's a really good way of putting that, Dan, not putting it with their identity because that'd be a struggle for me then. This still is a struggle for me. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, you mentioned like people with the same convictions, but coming at it different ways. Is that harder for anybody else where somebody has the same conviction as you, but they live it out a different way? Does that make sense? Can you give an example? Well, I can, but it's a little bit of a hot topic. Oh, boy. (laughs) I love that store. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I used to. I don't shop there anymore. Okay, okay. I actually have a really good example that shouldn't be controversial. Okay, so... I uh, want to hear the controversial one. (laughs) (laughs) Sex trafficking. Okay, so somebody who's really passionate about it, really passionate to see justice come in the area of sex trafficking... They have a conviction that they're supposed to be more hands-on towards ending it. And another person has a conviction, oh, I right now I am focusing on my family, but I have a conviction to pray about it mm. every day. And the person who is more hands-on is like, well, you're not doing anything. Yeah. Um, sure. that's, so that's like conflict within conflict. Yeah. Um, you have the same conviction, but, but you're, I- you're coming to different ways to, right. to it looks to it. like the parts of the body you know the parts of the church doing their job right so yeah. it, it actually that feels good uh that well this person is doing this piece this person's doing this piece and it takes everybody working together in that way to accomplish things yeah absolutely. in the kingdom so it feel actually that feels good so that doesn't bug me so much sure does it bug you <laughs> <laughs> um it did and actually in the last two years i've had to like okay Okay, I can see how we can all work together. And that that's actually, you know, Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. They're talking about spiritual gifts and how every person has a different one to work together in the body. But it can definitely apply to um, convictions as well. Yeah. And um, how, how you need to work together to um, be unified, even if it doesn't look like uniformity. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I uh, I can't think of any examples of how um, I struggle with that with other people, but I can definitely see how I would need to be aware of that for myself just because I feel really strongly about something um, doesn't mean that everyone needs to carry that same level of intensity about that thing. Um, even if I do feel like, yeah, as the body of Christ, we do need to like lean this way. Um, right. You know, we can place different emphasis on different things because we can't be everything. I mean, you go right. crazy. Right. right. I mean, yeah, Absolutely. exactly. 
if if everybody focused on the area of justice in in sex trafficking, then there are other areas of injustice that would happen. So you can't. Mm. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit about people's uh, thoughts about mission trips. Um, I haven't been on a mission trip in a long time, but when in the past when we did, I've actually had people walk up to me and say, "Well, why don't you take care of people here?" <laughs> yeah, and and I, and I remember the first like thirty or forty times somebody said that to me <laughs> that it bugged me. That few, huh? But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it did bug me. But then it occurred. But and they didn't know. They didn't know that like what whatever it was Renee and I were doing. We were doing marriage ministry, mm-hmm. but whatever that was, we were doing that here. And we just kind of took our show on the road. Right. So, but in any event, that was interesting. But yet, those people that are saying that, they had a heart for missions in the community. Yeah. So maybe I didn't like the way they were saying it to me, but they weren't wrong. I mean, they, we definitely need to sow into our communities around here, too. Maybe yeah. it was clumsy, you know, yeah. on their right. part or the way so. I heard it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when. Is it healthier to not discuss opposing views all the time? Probably the majority of the time. (laughs) More than what we actually think. More than what we actually... Well, I think we just approach it in a wrong way, but there are some times when it's maybe that you're better for our mental health to not discuss it. Yeah. Well... I mean, there's some obvious things, um, like the context. You probably shouldn't debate things over text or on social media. (laughs) Are you sure? Uh, Yeah, men's group text. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a men's group affiliated with the church. Let's just get that straight. (laughs) It's very unaffiliated with any church, probably at this point. (laughs) Um, I think I think we need to get better at learning to read the room and the people Mm -hmm. right in front of us. I think intuitively we just know in the moment, but we're always tempted by the other side of like, I have to win this argument. You can't, you can't just say that and get away with it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, And that's gotten me into trouble lots of times. Uh, When really the healthiest thing uh, for, for the good of relationship would be, uh, not to discuss it or bring it up another time when things aren't as heated. Right. It's not that the issue isn't important. It's not, I'm not saying when I refuse to debate something that the issue isn't important or meaningful or that right. things aren't at stake. It's just yeah. recognizing, recognizing the moment and the fact that there's a relationship here that will maybe outlast the hot topic issue. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The moment. I think for me, like, knowing if their personal conviction is based on a personal relationship that they have a child or a spouse that is, you know, in a certain situation that causes them to form that core belief. I most like, unless Holy spirit tells me different, I am going to walk away from that because that is such an emotional, you know, thing. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to talk about it if they're, if that just hurts them more, you know, if that makes them believe that I don't care about them, which hopefully we'd be able to establish like, Hey, I care about you. We just have different convictions about this. Yeah. And we're probably just best to do it face to face where you can read social cues and read their demeanor instead of, you know, pulling up to your chair at your computer and being like, Oh man, I got my wiki page here. I'm just going to rip this person to shreds, you know, (laughs) wiki page. I agree. Face to face is always better. My, I, there's a lot of things I'll say in a text that my wife just goes, no, 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 you don't want to do that. And I just, but here's the reality. Some people really, that's the only way they're going to communicate. That's true. Yeah. And so because of that, whether text or otherwise or a private message, I mean, so I'll do, I'll do whatever, you know, if right. that's the way you want to do it. I think a phone call is better than face to face is the yeah. best. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. By the way, everybody, your electronic devices still have a phone. (laughs) (laughs) You can call them. Oh, I can send them like a voicemail and then they can send. No, no, no. You can can talk to them. Yeah, Marco Polo. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, mine mine doesn't work that way. It's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
So here's here's a question. I'm curious if you have ever changed a personal conviction, either by somebody debating with you and you're like, oh, those are some really good points, or through Holy Spirit teaching you. Or what about circumstances? Right. Or circumstances, or life, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could go first with kind of a surfacey one. So he's now a Vikings fan. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> oh, all right. I'll be spinning in my grave. If all that those ever arguments said of me. finally worked. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, you, there's not. No, no, no. Um, no. So <laughs> what about the resurrection? <laughs> <laughs> right. I believe in that. Don't don't as, box me in as passionately as okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, right. Even more so. My Christian beliefs are much more passionate than my sports beliefs. Anyways. <laughs> Um, this one, I mean, it's, I guess maybe not technically strong, but a personal conviction that I feel like I have changed. Um, so I would just kind of preface this with growing up, my parents never drank. We never really had family who drank alcohol. Water is fine, but <laughs> alcohol or that. And so I wasn't around it ever. So in my, it wouldn't, and it was, this was never said to me, but in my mind, it was always, oh, people who drink alcohol are terrible people and sinners and they're going to he double hockey stick you know that was just a thought because you see it on tv that you know sometimes yeah alcoholics aren't good people and i'm saying this totally looking at jay Bryan, who i know is, is uh, i know, was a big alcoholic right i was really good at at that right <laughs> so now it's like i you know it's you know there is that alcohol alcoholism that substance abuse which is not good for anybody but to say that anybody who has a glass of wine or a beer is a terrible person that's just not true well you beer know? is disgusting so well there's that <laughs> i mean rachel and i don't drink just because i don't know it's probably I literally too expensive have not for us. Found, yeah that but <laughs> that. i literally have not found any alcohol that i like the taste of she so. you know she gets all like the kitty cocktails i totally do and those are delicious and but. it's like pure sugar which is like okay i could see maybe does alcohol balance out the sugar i don't know but anyways <laughs> so that's that would be one thing where in my life from the time where i was you know seeing that and was like oh my goodness that's like the worst. It's like, you know, you know, it's everything in moderation. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. I can go with that. Yeah. I have one. I'm a little hesitant to talk about it cause I feel like people could totally read this the wrong way and put all different kinds of I know assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I have a conviction about not saying the Pledge of Allegiance as a Christian. Yeah. Ooh, shock. Well, the the oxygen in the room yes. just left. Well, yeah, I've exactly. had I've had mixed mixed reactions to this. Um, either people that are like, yeah, well, I still say it, but I I feel the tension, and then other people that are like, you hate America. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't hate America. I actually. No, became a citizen. I paid money to become a citizen. The government has my fingerprints and my eye scan things. Like I went through a lot to become a citizen. <laughs> so I think all of us in this room would say, whether you say the pledge or not, your allegiance to this country is not unconditional, right? Right. You Correct. would draw you would draw a line if the government asked you to do anything that went against the Bible or just violated like a conviction that the Holy Spirit had given you. The pledge doesn't have any conditions that you attach onto it. And so the way I view it is my ultimate allegiance is to Jesus and, and his kingdom. And I don't spiritualize the kingdom of God because I think in Revelation you see um, it says the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of biblical things I could pull into this. I'm not going to give a full defense of this position right now. But at the end of the day, I just come back to my allegiance belongs to Jesus. And I know there's things that if my country asked me to do, I maybe I wouldn't be able to do it. Depends what it is. Um, and yeah, it's, it's difficult because like in those situations, you know, everyone will get up and do it. And I try to be super respectful of the moment. So I'll, I'll stand. Um, do you take a knee? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, wow. I mean, okay. So when when did that change? So after I became a citizen. Oh well, that's and, good. That's convenient. No, just kidding. Well, 
<laughs> yeah, well, I couldn't actually say it as an Australian before because I felt like I was going against my country that I actually had citizenship in. Citizenship in. So when I got sworn in at the ceremony, I said it, and a few times after that, I started to feel this conflict. And so as I prayed into that, and you know, read about different. Christians that have actually struggled with this too. And they, this isn't like a left liberal thing. This is just something that some Christians actually have said, yeah, it mm. feels a little bit weird. So well, let's see if I can help you out a little bit. Yeah. Repeat um, after me. I pledge. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> thought you were going there. I, uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, I mean, I, re- I really do. Um, I don't have a problem saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, like I push through that moment where I go, eh, you know, I really, I'm pledging my life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But um, I just want you to know that I feel like that, that tug inside of me every time I say it. I go to an event once a month where that's how they start them. Uh, it's a, a, on a local community EDA thing. And they say the Pledge of Allegiance. And also at um, other uh, local events where they're, you know, doing political things, they say the Pledge of Allegiance. But I've, every time now as an adult, I do think about it. I have a pause and I just go, you know, I really identify as a Christian first. I identify as a Christian above being a citizen of the United States. And so when I'm doing the pledge, the whole time I'm going, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I love you, God, more than this. But I do love this. But the escape clause is that in the 1950s, they added under God, Mm. Uh, to the Pledge of Allegiance that actually wasn't there before the 50s, which is interesting. <clears throat> because in my lifetime, we always said under God in school, in public schools, I pledge allegiance to the flag and so on. But um, I just wanted to throw that out there that I, I, I don't judge you on that. I, I understand why you're saying it because it I feel that thing in, in my gut. Every time I say it, I go, eh, God, you're first. Yeah. Also, the story of... Uh Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in Daniel 3 is something that's helped me. Because if you if you really read into that story in the, the statue of gold, they have... Um, Not a chocolate bunny. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what's happening there is actually, like, we, we tend to think of it as, like, some spiritual event, some god that they worship, just an idol. But it was actually, like, a big national event. They had all the governors and the treasurers and... The king's like, all right, everyone, everyone in the country, we're going to do this and you're going to bow to it. And these three guys who were, by the way, serving for the good of Babylon, like they were in governmental positions and they were happy to serve their country. But that's kind of where they drew the line. They're like, "Mm, this is a step too far. We can't do that. We're happy to serve the good of Babylon. And I'm happy to be an American citizen and seek the good of my country and my communities. For me, the pledge is just a little, a little too far. I think that's a great example. So the, the that uh, Babylon convention thing, did that happen every four years or just, <laughs> just before an election? Or? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> too easy, sorry. I'm uh, oh, man. Uh, mine is, uh, along with um, uh, you know the whole vegetarian thing and all that stuff, I also had other uh, extreme pro-life stuff. Uh, that was such that uh, I found any, any type of violence was, again, biblically based against what I believe. You know, Jesus's thing, turn the other cheek, it was so hard. And yet even as a teenager, I went, but that makes so much sense. And uh, so those, those beliefs I had for a really long time until I was a married person and a situation came up where I was called upon to be in a position to defend my family in case somebody who would come against my family would do something to harm them. It was one thing in my head to not have guns, for example, because it Jesus calls us to turn the other cheek. But it was another thing to be in a place where I could protect my family and not have the wherewithal to do so. And so um, a couple of years back, our family was actually threatened by a person that I would say was an absolute wacko that is to this day not predictable cannot predict what that individual is going to do, don't know. And so I got to a place where I went, I need to be able to, if I had to, uh, protect my family inside the house. So I got my carry permit. I went through the class. I bought a weapon, and it is locked up. It's in a particular place. It's safe. I've done all the right precautions and everything. 
Uh, but I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever own a gun. I have adult children that to this day can't, they want to know what happened to their dad. I wouldn't allow my kids to have squirt guns. <laughs> Corey, Corey and Michael grew up without being allowed to have squirt guns. No super soakers? Nothing. Oh man. I'm not kidding. One time my son was playing with another kid and the kid had uh, a toy gun or whatever. And so he was using his mother's shoe which was, what do you call them? The stiletto heel type? Yeah, yeah. As a gun. And and I looked at that and privately I went, I'm the worst dad ever. I mean, because I mean, this kid's out in the plane with the neighborhood kids with a shoe. and But I pushed through and I continued, this is how I feel and this is all that. But but when it came, when push came to shove, I could sacrifice myself, uh, but I could not not protect my family. Right. So now I'm a gun owner. Mm-hmm. I don't think any less of you. Thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate that. Neither. I think more of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I've, I've probably gone in the opposite direction of you. And not to debate the specifics, but I just bring that up to say If it's it gets heated, I'll back off. Yeah. Okay. Well, clarity. I think we will do an episode on like self-defense and nonviolence and war and all of that stuff. That would be a fascinating conversation episode to Episode 12. Yes. But I did... Just want to acknowledge that God can lead people different ways on the same topic in two different directions. Yeah. yeah, right. I get it. Because you stopped your MMA training, right, Dan? You don't do that anymore. Well, that's no. what I tell people. Right, exactly. <laughs> These hands, <Yes>. surprise! <laughs> don't try me. <laughs> Dan, did you start out with a different conviction? Than Jay Brown, like, did you st- or uh, the same conviction? Did you start out like thinking like, oh, self defense is fine, and then you slowly um, got convicted you a different way, or have you always kind of held that belief? Uh, I think, I think whatever position I held before was just inherited from culture and, and family. But I, I would say like, you know, we I played video games that like were like war video games and I loved action. I still love action movies. I'm not going to deny that there's a sense of me that like doesn't love seeing the bad guy just get his head chopped off. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not either. It's not like my personality is like no violence, no blood, no right, whatever. But see it. I, as a Christian, I've had God challenge me on some things which, yeah, we can talk about in another episode. And it's funny because yeah. as it relates to video games, I still can't play them. I can't, I can't, it, it bothers me when I see, you know, oh, and then, you know, you grab this weapon and now I've won, you know, all these different, yeah. what is it? What's the? Um, Fortnite. Fortnite. Oh. And and it's, it's you're killing people. Oh, it's not real. No, Oof. no, you are. Mm. So I still can't quite cross that line. What about aliens? Did you kill aliens in a video game? Actually, we need to know for the safety of our country. If they're creations of God, probably not. Oh man, mm. what about? I'm <laughs> Are there aliens? Okay, okay episode thirteen. <laughs> oh yeah, thirteen. Okay, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> you think the Bible would mention it? It does it have to? I don't know why do I know. I mean, if he died for our salvation, wouldn't when they mention Who's, him dying? Who said the the aliens have to be image bearers? The church, so. right? <laughs> yes, <In> the aliens. <laughs> okay, in, now in, I'm curious. Yes, would you actually? Okay, if we're on the side topic of aliens, I I I don't think <laughs> if there are aliens, I don't think they're image bearing creatures that God would die for for their salvation. But there's no reason they couldn't be like animal life on other planets. I don't think it's exclusive to Earth. I don't think there is, probably. I don't, I don't see why not either. I, yeah. I mean, God not, can do whatever he wants to do. I'm not threatened Agreed. by that idea. And if there are... We just had a conversation with him. <laughs> I just sent the message out there. It's all right. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll receive soon. Just wait. <laughs> just, just wait. It's uh, coming. Oh, my gosh. So if you would like us to dive into the alien topic more... Send emails to thinkingwellpodcast at gmail.com. There we go. Jordan, that sounded like a charismatic speaking in tongues. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I'll he get there eventually. <laughs> It'll be either alien language or speaking in tongues. Something will come first, probably. <laughs> oh.
Does anyone have an example of how you have succeeded or failed, probably in my my case, <laughs> succeeded or failed, on working through conflict with other Christians? I tried to reconcile with um, literally a lifelong friend. So somebody or, you know, at least, uh, you know, sort of a, a distant family member kind of a deal. And as long as I've been alive, as long as I've been going to school, I've known this person. So this is like over 55 years plus. And um, I, I said something that hurt their feelings and tried to reconcile with them. And I actually know a thing or two about reconciliation. <laughs> and um, it's like one of those moments where you go, oh, my gosh, I, I teach this stuff. And um, this should be going better than it did. Can I just and, yeah. interrupt? When you say, like, you know a thing or two about reconciliation, reconciliation, can you give some context for, like, what you do? Yeah. So, What's your knowledge so, base on that? Yeah. So my wife, uh, Renee, Pastor Renee, she's the lead pastor at Living Waters Church, and I, uh, we, um, we have taught marriage classes, and we've done about 30 um, marriage um, workshops and things like that. And really, honestly, one of the biggest, best tools of all of the tools that come out of that workshop is the reconciliation tool. And I've used it with mm-hmm. my kids. I make lots, lots of mistakes with my kids, use it in my marriage. I've used it in the workplace. But as it related to the, sort of an argument about differences of opinions and so on, this is with somebody who um, is as a believer, who hears from Holy Spirit, who we should have tons of common ground to be able to work through this. Mm-hmm. But we were on different sides of uh, not just uh, godly convictions, we weren't, but um, political mm. convictions. And they, I just couldn't fix it. And I did get to a place, after you do get to a place, the, the end of the story is, is you can run through all of the different aspects of trying to reconcile with an individual, do everything right, might not still turn out, but you do at least get to a place where you... Um, you recognize that you did everything you could do, that you're responsible mm-hmm. for the effort, not the outcome. Right. And I just want to say that that's, to me, that's the, the big thing, is even in an epic fail, did you do everything that you can do? Mm-hmm. And I did. And uh, it's it's not totally resolved for the other individual, but there's nothing else you can do. So mm-hmm. I can sleep, I can put my head on my pillow and be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. So that makes sense. I have another question, and you might be able to speak to this, but why... Why is it that conflict seems to be the most heated in like close relationships? Like I don't really mm-hmm. care what my neighbor thinks, but like in marriage conflict flares up the most, like in families, siblings. I think even you see it with um, bands, like bands that have been together a long time, like musical bands. Like I've heard stories of, uh, I think it was Switchfoot and maybe DC Talk too of them literally throwing punches at each other. So there's there's something about like this proximity of relationship where conflict flares up the most. Well, right right as you're asking the question what occurred to me was loyalty, trust are part of your identity or your group identity. Mm. And you have because of the things that you've walked through together and the things that you've done together Um, You feel this sort of loyalty to one another and there's a trust and so on. And when you have disagreements um, of a a different nature that you weren't accustomed to, but that are now because we're all individuals and all that stuff, that it feels different. Like it's breaking this. Wait a minute. I thought we were on the same team kind of a bond. Mm. And with my family members, we all have the same parents. You know, we all we all grew up the same way or similar ways and so on. You think that there's a particular connection that should um, overcome all other obstacles, and but I think those things are harmed. And again, I, the words I was hearing just now were loyalty, trust, mm. um, affecting my identity because mm. I think it challenges your identity. Well, wait a minute, I thought this is who we were. Right mm-hmm. now, maybe I'm not so sure right. who I am. Yeah. And if I no, don't don't know who I am, then wow, the world just like tilted. Yeah. yeah. In a way, and I think especially in friendships and marriages, a lot of unspoken assumptions happen. And you are mm. like, oh, we're, we're this close and everything we think is one. Yeah. And we don't really talk through our beliefs. And and so an unspoken assumption happens. And then when somebody kind of goes against that, we're like, wait a minute. you The trust is broken. Right. Yep, I agree. Mm. So bringing it back to like the, the church, the big C church, like the church of Jesus, well... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sounds like Latter-day Saints. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I got what you mean. And and I kind of have a answer right to this. How how as a church can we be better at resolving conflict? And the first thing that came to my mind was we need to have a better understanding of scripture. Because there's a lot of conflict that happens within those, you know, we agree on the core beliefs, but then some people elevate um, beliefs that aren't in the core beliefs. They elevate them to that status. And so they're like, no, this is something that we need to disagree on. We need to separate over. Um, Mm. And so I think if we had a better understanding of scripture, we would be more lenient, maybe. Mm. Does that make sense? Give more grace for... Give more grace, yeah, for second-tier and third-tier issues. Well, we just go back to what we were talking about before, that it was a big deal to Jesus that we love one another. Mm -hmm. So how do we throw that out the window so quickly? I I mean, that's the thing. That's that's why we gather together, is that we're supposed to love one another and help one another and so on. It just seems like... Why do we forget that so quickly? And then that comes back to the, well, if something's making me angry... Um, I, and I, I know it's not God. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's helped me, particularly in the church and with relationships, as that relates to convictions, is understanding that we're all on a journey. And that seems obvious, but I have to like think about myself first. Yeah, putting myself first, that sounds wrong. But <laughs> actually, when I think about my convictions and how they've been shaped and formed, that's happened over a period of time, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't get there overnight. Nobody really had a debate or an argument with me. And then I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to change my mind on that. Right. (laughs) Um, Like it's been years of walking that out and wrestling with that and praying. And um, so if that's true of me, then it's true of other people too. And so that takes the pressure off me to like really present a convincing argument and win someone over. Like Mm -hmm. we probably shouldn't be doing that anyway if our convictions are formed by the Holy Spirit. But even just living with the differences, I think it takes the pressure off because, you know, Jordan and I might disagree on something right now, but five years from now, he might share more of my convictions or I might share more of his convictions. And so that's just a process of life and walking that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, um, went to Bethel and came back, I was an arrogant little 20, 19, 20 year old. And, uh, I was like, everybody needs to think like me. (laughs) Um, everybody needs to think like BSSM, you know, Bethel and in Redding, California. And Jordan, man, God bless him, because he put up with a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, but but some core parts of me were formed during that time. Right. It's a good foundation. It's a good foundation. And and people um I I had mentors and everything that were able to like speak into my life and everything. And so as t- that's what, ten years ago that I came out of that end. And so my convictions, a lot of my convictions have actually changed, you know, since then. And, um, yeah, I agree. Like we're, it's, it's totally a journey and, and your relationship with God is, is going to strengthen, hopefully strengthen over time. Mm. Well, it seems to me like one, one way the church has kind of resolved it, the big C church is, so we have Lutherans, we have Calvinists, we have, you know, Catholics, we've had all this kind of division which is fine as long as the core beliefs are like, okay, one God, Trinity, you know, the the basic stuff, obviously. So it's like, I think a lot of times it's been like, and even in um, uh, Paul and Barnabas in Acts, they took John Mark, Mark, on two trips, and then they uh, Barnabas wanted to go on the third trip, and Paul's like, no, I'm good without him. You know, <laughs> we don't need him. I don't know. That's obviously not exactly what they're talking, but Jordan Deitch paraphrase. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's the the JD message that. version. The JDB. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but then, so they they just ended up splitting and you know doing their own things, and they're still fruitful after they split. Obviously, they were fruitful while they were together, and then 
you know, after that, um, it talks about later, Paul basically saying, I think to the Ephesians, like, oh, no, Barnabas, he's still a good guy, you know, even though we kind of have gone separate paths. So it's like, yeah. okay, so is that is that the way to do it? Is that how we resolve those little issues mm. just by, I mean, and I don't think we need to break off into more sex Sects, oh boy! <laughs> you know, so, I'd rather you not okay, edit so, that. Yeah, that's a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know the S. How do you know? If I know how to spell it now. But you know, we don't need to break off into more denominations. I don't think at this point. Yeah. But it's like you could have said denomination. I know. I know. That's such. Okay. That's like a three-dollar word, though. So, I was just reading today. And listening today to a podcast where um, she was talking about how this the different denominations. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just how the different denominations were formed, and she said the more conservative views always broke off from the more um, progressive views to conserve orthodoxy, and sure. so That's they still believed. They still believed in the unifying uh, core beliefs, but they broke off to conserve that. That orthodoxy, they felt that it was, um, uh, they felt like it was a contradiction or whatever, or they mm. had a conviction that this mattered more. So the more conservative one broke off and formed, um, I'm probably butchering this. Go listen to Felicia Masonheimer, but um, it always broke off. And now we see churches splitting because, I mean, their churches are going away from the core beliefs. You see that now mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a couple of. Right. Denominations. Yep, you're right. Um, but if if we can't resolve that conflict, you can part from somebody in a good way. Be fruitful still. And be yeah, fruitful. Totally. Mm. I don't think that should be our first reaction. No. But but talking through it and everything, I think um yeah. it's it's okay to start something else or or yeah. Well, yeah. well I can think of a church or two that for some reason they just always seem to be in conflict, whether it's over like the elders or deacons who are leading or the lead pastor or whatnot. And it's just like, and I'm not in that church. I'm not in there every day, but I don't know if they're seeing fruit from that, just being in constant conflict, you know? So there is something to, it's like, well, at what point is it just easier just to say like, like they did, you know, Yeah. it's just like, I, I just can't do this and be fruitful. Yeah. I suppose confrontation needs some kind of ground rules. Uh, it needs some sort of riverbanks yeah. or borders, which isn't to say that it shouldn't be a free-flowing conversation, but it's got to have an end result of of love and understanding or clarity. So anyone that ever talks to me, I always, I'm a Dennis Prager fan. I'm all about clarity. It makes the most sense to me. I don't, I really don't even mind if you don't agree with me. I just mm-hmm. want, I want to understand where you're coming from. Right. And yeah. and that is confronting something with love in your heart as opposed to confronting something with um, the purpose of, of being the victor. Right. The need mm. to be right. Right. And so that's to answer the question. I think that's if we absolutely need to confront issues and differences, but with love so that when we're done, we can go literally, well, that's interesting that you feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to share something I came across on the Instagrams. Um, it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is just someone's opinion, um, but I found it helpful and relevant to this conversation. Um, so this guy was just basically posting about why do Christians argue? Where, where's Is there a place for that? Um, so I'm just going to read some of this. And he says, what helped me was visiting the Western Wall and hearing the rabbis openly discuss and debate the scriptures. It gets heated at times, but at the end of the discussion, they all hug each other and walk off arm in arm. They can do that because in Hebrew culture, there are two sorts of arguments. There are arguments for the sake of power and arguments for the sake of heaven. When you argue for the sake of heaven, you are more focused on what is right instead of who is right. Arguing is okay, but as theologian Dr. Tony Evans has said, Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. We don't serve Jesus when we win an argument, but lose a relationship. And um, then he quotes Ephesians 4.3, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. 
So I don't have much more to add to that because that was pretty cool. Should yeah, we all get up perfect. and do a group hug? Is that what? That's what we want to do. I just think I just think that's perfect. <laughs> that is super yeah. good. Yeah. 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 For sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast. Thinking Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.